As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have my friend all the way from Australia joining us, Alicia (laughs) Jarrett. Welcome to the show, my friend. Megan, thank you so much for having me here. And um, funnily enough, I'm actually dialing in today from Phoenix, Arizona. I've spent more than a third of the year in the US this year. But yes, I am the the token Aussie in the room whenever I'm here in the US. Yes. You might be the first Aussie I have interviewed on this particular podcast of mine. I've had other shows before and I've done lots of Facebook lives, but you might be the first Aussie on the Built to Last show. So I'm going to take it, Megan. I'm going to take it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, Alicia is joining us. She's an international real estate investor, educator, and entrepreneur. Uh, Alicia, I'm going to let you kind of dive in and tell us a little bit about your business, what you do, because you're going to be better at it than I am. So catch us up to speed on your world in real estate investing and marketing and all the things that you're up to. Thank you, Megan. Uh, I guess just to start with, you know, people might be wondering why on earth is an Aussie on the show? Like, you know, can't you do real estate in Australia? The short answer to that is yes, we can, but the US has so much more opportunity when it comes to, to real estate. So for anyone thinking that they're a little bit hard done by here in the US with real estate, I just want to give you some perspective, people listening, that you are on a good thing in this country when it comes to all the different strategies that you can do with real estate as well. So we've been investing over here for eight years. We started out uh, doing fix and flips in Florida. We then branched out into doing vacant land and, and land development. Um, so that's kind of our, our part-time business on the side. Our main business, as you can see behind me, is supercharged offers. And that was born, Megan, out of a need in, in the industry because we're real estate investors ourselves. We were going out and trying to do a whole bunch of things for our business when it comes to marketing, and it just felt really disjointed. We, we had six different companies that we were working with to help us out with our real estate acquisitions, anywhere from data to direct mail to someone managing our website, someone doing our cold calling. It was all very disjointed. And when we went to look for a a marketing company that could encompass all the things that we wanted to do, guess what? We couldn't find one. So we sort of said, I say we, we as myself and my business partner, Matt, um, we decided to create that ourselves. So four and a half years on, supercharged offers. We are, we're working with a couple of hundred real estate investors now, Megan, across nine countries, all doing deals in the US which is pretty cool. And I always say, you know, just in your opening there, when you said um, real estate investor, educator, et cetera, the word I like to use for us is we're not so much an educator, we're an implementer. Then, And again, you and I were talking before we went live with this around the success rate of real estate students, right? Something we're super passionate about. We want to change the dynamic of that, which is another reason why we exist. So, so yeah, so I've... Uh, over here in the US at the moment, training up some new team members and um, super excited for the growth of our business and the way that we're adjusting in the current market as well. Really excited. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. And just so you all know how Alicia and I know each other, we are in the same real estate investing mastermind. It's called the Family Mastermind. 
And if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, Megan, why on earth are you in a real estate investing mastermind? Because I'm not actively building a real estate investing business, although Alicia might be able to talk me into one. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but we both serve real estate investing educators. So, you know, my business partner, Nikki, and I, we are working behind the scenes with a number of real estate investing educators who have hundreds or, and also thousands of students doing seven, eight figures a year just from their education business. And then Alicia, you probably partner with a lot of real estate investing educators who have a lot of students, hundreds or thousands of students so that their students can use your marketing services. Would that be accurate? Correct. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be accurate. And I get a lot of people out there. Um, when they go to a real estate educator, so let's say they want to go, go and do a, a wholesaling course with single family or maybe a, a course on how to do vacant land and, and development opportunities there, whatever it is, a lot of the times you'll go to an educator and they'll teach you the basics and the how-tos. But what they don't do is do the deals for you. They don't implement for you. So, you know, we were talking before, Megan, I think the, the current stat is around about 3% of people that do any kind of real estate education are ever successful and make it. A lot of people give up in what we call the danger zone, which is those first six months. Um, a lot of people just find it too overwhelming. And so where we come in is we help them to re really reduce that overwhelm and get consistent. Like, let's take the strategies that you're learning with the educators and put that into play. So, yes, to answer your question, a lot of educators love us because we don't want to take over their education. I do not want to get involved in the whole world of real estate education because there is some awesome people out there already doing it. What we want to do is come along at the back end and say, great, when your students get to the point that they need to to implement, rather than putting them into overwhelm, let's partner with them and 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 get all that stuff implemented. Yeah. And 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 most of our listeners are in the education and coaching space. And if you're listening to this and you're like, wait a minute, I'm not a real estate investor. I'm I don't have a real estate investing education business. Keep listening because I am, I am such a big believer that what works for one industry is going to work for another. And 100%. your statistic about real estate investing education that has a 3% rate. Let me just tell everybody listening. It's, that's the same percentage across the board. No matter what field you are or expertise you're teaching inside of your group coaching program, your mastermind, your curriculum based course, whatever it is, the success rates across the industry of coaching and education, it is. It's low. It's very low. It's and you low. use the word overwhelm. You use the word overwhelm. That is the number one reason why, why educators do not retain clients longer. Yeah. It's a number one factor that we see that, that plays a role in reducing client results and client success. So let's talk about this overwhelm and talk about, you know, what you see from a psychological perspective of all these folks running around, they're learning all the things inside of these programs, but there are heaps and heaps of implementation. And look, let's be honest, like I am not a marketer. Most of the people who are taking education classes in the real estate investing category, we're not coming into it as a bunch of marketers all right. uh, who know how to go do that or even want to build the skill around doing that. But there is something psychological going on in the mind of the adult learner and the adult student as soon as they get overwhelmed, they start retreating. They yep. start retracting. Then, Ooh, then yeah. they're not implementing, nothing happening. So what are like what are some of the things that you hear from people around how overwhelmed they are and why they want to partner with you and your yeah. company? Yeah. Oh, Megan, we, we could do a whole episode just on this. I get so passionate about this. First of all, let, let's kind of unpack what overwhelm is. So overwhelm is simply a stress response 
to the environment that, that we're feeling like we're in and how much control we feel like we have in that environment. So typically what we see with someone who's in overwhelm is there's lots of activity going on, but no results are actually happening. Or we see a lot of paper shuffling. You know, if you can think about someone sitting at a desk, there's lots of paper shuffling going on, but like the duck on water, right? It, it seems like there's some stuff happening, but not really much is, is going on. So when people are in overwhelm, what we often see is they come to a grinding halt because they end up in in a position where they're like, well, I could spend five minutes on that or an hour on that or you know half an hour on this, but I don't know where to start. So I'm just going to sit still. And so one of the biggest things that I end up talking to people about who come to us is, is that exact thing. It's what is not happening. Because I, I even had a customer call yesterday, even on Thanksgiving, I was working and had a customer call. And this, this customer who's a new customer, he said, look, I've been trying to do this business for three years and I keep having these false starts because I do a little bit and then stuff starts to happen and I don't know what to do next. So then I kind of back off a little bit. Um, and then I do a little bit more and stuff starts to happen, but I'm not sure what next step to take. So then I, I give up over here. And so what that leads to in people is this real sense of defeatism mm. because if I feel like I've spent all this money and all this time on this education, but I can't seem to make it work, then I feel like a failure. You know, I feel like I've let my family down. I feel like I've let my goals and my dreams down. It's all of these things that start to become self-talk for people. So what does that lead to further down the track is a self-fulfilling prophecy that I can't do this. Now, mm -hmm. here's what I want to unpack with that. Anybody can do anything if they set their mind to it and they've got the right systems and processes and things in place. I'm a real estate educator that has zero background in real estate. So re real estate investor, sorry, zero background in real estate doing this from another country on the other side of the world, and I can make it work. How? Systems, processes, ways of working. And and this is where I think coming back to, you know, and, and I love what you said before, if you're not a real estate educator, keep listening because the same thing applies. Whatever you're educating someone in, think about the stuff that is the revenue generating activities. And for a real estate investor, that is simply two things. Number one, doing your research on the types of markets you want to enter into and, and where you want to go and do deals so that you, you've got some certainty around that market. Number two, when leads come in, your number one job is to nurture that lead, build a relationship, close that lead. Because in the current market, Megan, leads aren't closing overnight like they were two years ago. Middle of COVID, we were in a boom. Now we're not in a boom, so things change. So that's all that we really I want a real estate educator, so a real estate investor to focus on. So for anyone else listening who's not a real estate educator, I think the question to ask yourself is this, what do I really need my students to focus on that moves the needle forward? Because they can't be a master of everything. Well, what is that saying, Megan? Uh, I, I like this saying, it's a, a jack of all trades and a master of none, right? Yes. When people try to do everything in their business, they don't have the skills to do everything, nor do they have the time. So we've really got to think about what are those economies of scale and what are people actually doing that's moving the needle forward for them in the business? And look, I, I think that from my own personal experience, also being an educator myself and having, I've run lots of group coaching programs and masterminds, predominantly with women. I haven't worked with men that much in this industry, but predominantly with women. And then as a consultant going behind the scenes of other people's very large scale coaching programs, one of the aspects of what we do in the audit phase is we interview a lot of our our clients, clients, and we get feedback on the program. All that to say, I would say that one of the aspects of building a business that the majority of people do not like, it is the marketing. 
However, it's one of the most important things. In fact, we are- have a business in that marketing. (laughs) Yeah. it's People don't like the marketing. They don't want to do the marketing. They just want it to, they just want people to come to them. I'm here, let me put out my shingle. Like I just want people who are ready to buy to come to me. I can close the sale. And then I just, I just want to go do the work. I just want to go do the thing with the client, whatever, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. And one, one, uh, pretty large business. They do multiple eight figures a year, education business in the real estate investing category. They're real estate investors first, built a business doing like close to 40 million a year. And when we talk to the owners and the team, one of the most important aspects in their program, it is the marketing. In fact, it is taught very early on because you are not closing deals in real estate unless you have leads first, which means you have to do the marketing. And right. and look, I'm sharing this because if we all are running around hating the marketing part, we're never going to close the sales. We're never going to close the deals. We're never going to get that pipeline the, to the, the way that we want, right? No. So when it comes to you have an agency, mm-hmm. talk to us about at what point does it make sense for someone who is a real estate investor to start working with an agency just like yours? Like, what's the right timing for that? And then I'm going to ask two questions here. When does it make sense to hire an agency versus hiring an internal person or group of people to do the marketing for you internally? Yep. Yep. Really great question. So let's let's start with the first one. When does it make sense to start working with us? I say it starts to make sense when you are comfortable enough with your strategy about what you're doing. So let's say that you're working single family homes or vacant land and you now understand like what types of deals you want to do, where you want to do them, and you've got enough education to be able to start to have a conversation. I'm not saying have a conversation confidently, but have a conversation with a seller or a buyer because those first few calls are not going to be confident. Let's face it. I remember my first call with it with a seller many, many, many years ago. I had no idea what I was doing, but you just got to kind of embrace it and jump on in, right? So when you're at that point that you know at a high level what what you want your strategy to be, engage us. Because what we're, what we're then going to do is take that strategy, implement it using everything from the data that we need for that strategy, the cold calling that's going to start to get you leads, building out your website, so your whole digital footprint with sales funnels, running ads for you on Facebook and Google, getting that traction happening with you, your lead pipeline and getting direct mail sent out. And the reason why I engage us early, because leads don't happen overnight. Leads will start to drip in over the, you know, the coming weeks. And then as long as we're consistent with you, that will keep on going. And what we want to get uh, our, our customers to is get you out of the, you know, we, we, we have this thing called a comfort zone, then we have an uncomfortable zone. And then it's like, you know, <laughs> the rest is, is out there. I know that you're always going to be in that uncomfortable zone when you're starting and that's okay. The only way to move from that uncomfortableness is through implementation and learning. And the be- way that we learn best is by doing, right? So don't just sit there and say, I've got all this theory now. You need to put that theory into practice. So we are like a done-for-you agency. We become your fractional marketing team. So to go to your second question, at what point do you need to hire people? You really don't. If you're working with someone like us, we can scale with you over the long term. And I think that's the other thing to, to ask yourselves for anyone listening to this, if you're thinking about outsourcing marketing, think about outsourcing to a company that's going to be with you long term. You don't just want to outsource to someone that's going to implement a website for you and then they they leave you. you know, because you are going to have questions as you go. You are not the marketing expert. What we want you to do is stick on the phone with sellers and buyers and keep negotiating those deals, people, no matter what business you're in, right? So, you know, do you need to outsource your marketing? I, I think the 
the the number one answer to that is is yes, outsource it rather than insource it. Because then what you end up with as a business owner is another people problem. Now you've got more people to manage. When you outsource to a company that does it all for you, you don't have to manage the people. Um, so that becomes, again, a less thing. When is that tipping point to get resources internally? I would say get those resources to help you with those leads once they come in. Because as you know, talking about things like customer retention, it's the same with leads. You need to build a relationship, nurture them, treat them like they're the diamond that they are, even if they're not ready to do a deal with you yet. You've got to keep that that relationship going, right? Um, so if you were to get people to come in and help you, I would say look at things like intake, intake managers, lead managers, um, salespeople that can help you convert those leads to deals. All the yeah. other stuff, easily outsourced. Yeah. And not only are you helping people solve the problem of just marketing in general, I'm not skilled at marketing. I need someone to come and do it for me. And I know you're really, really big on consistency with marketing. And I think lack of consistency, especially with generating leads and then having a way to nurture those leads and move them down a pipeline so that we are getting them ready to be a buyer. I would say that is what causes people to have this kind of start stop or like, I always feel like I'm starting over. Because look, if we're again, trying to yeah. do our marketing ourselves, like I'm, I want to really build a case for why we all, we all need so much help with a marketer. It's because what you just said, as the business owner, I need to be over here making deals, being the face of my business, building the brand and delivering the services that I sold, leading and managing my business and my team. If I'm also having to be the 24 seven marketer, once I yeah. have a client load that's big enough, I'm like putting my foot on the brake pedal of marketing and then my lead flow and my lead pipeline is becoming like non-existent. And then yeah. it's like, oh no, I've got to go back out there and generate no business, more business. And that's what makes us feel like we're on this roller coaster. Oh, hundred percent. And, and it's that stop start that really kind of starts to diminish our confidence over time yeah. because every time we're starting again, we're literally starting again. Yes. Um, and I always say to people, especially in the real estate space, right? At the moment, you know, the average deal, you're looking at about a six month return on investment. So deals that you are closing in month seven, eight, and nine tend to be from conversations that you've had in months one, two, and three. So people need to think about that, that future pacing of their business and go, what do I want my business to look like? Regardless if you're in real estate or not, but what do I want my business to look like at three months, six months, 12 months, et cetera? Because if you're always start stop, guess what? You're never going to move past that, that stage one. Um, so consistency is big. And, and coming back to that thing you said before as well, Megan, around if I'm a business owner and now I've got to be 24 seven on marketing, let's kind of unpack what marketing really is for a lot of people, because it's not just marketing as a blanket statement, right? In marketing itself, you need to know how to do things like data analysis, direct mail, cold calling. You need to know how to build funnels and websites. You need to know how to run ads on Facebook and Google. Those things in themselves are all separate skill sets. Yes. You know, it's not just one thing. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you've got to really look at, especially if you're looking at your business through the lens of an omni-channel presence, which yeah. every business should, by the way, because we don't always transact in the same way that our, our customers do. We need to create a presence that our customers can, can transact with us in the way that they want to. So again, being a master of all those things, that's a lot for a business owner. That is a lot. I love what you just said. I love what you just said. And if you want to unpack that a little bit more, 
uh, around, it's not just about us transacting with our audience the way we like to, or we prefer to, or we want to. It's about identifying the way they want to. And let's say you've got thousands, let's say you have 10,000 leads sitting there. They all are not going to transact or desire to at the same pace, at the same time, or in the same way that I do. And I, that is very easy for people to forget or not even have an awareness around at all. Can Do you yeah. mind unpacking that a little yeah, bit more? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. So, so let's think about it this way. Most people, most business owners, and I love that you just said the awareness around it because here's where people are unaware. We tend to, as adults, communicate with people in the way that we like to communicate. So if I'm someone that is more of an emailer or a texter, that will tend to be the way that I will communicate with most of my prospects. However, your prospects are not you. And I always say this with real estate as well, right? Your end buyer is not you. Your end buyer is your end buyer. Same with with your prospects that are wanting to sell properties. You're going to be dealing with people from their 80s and 90s all the way down to their 20s and 30s and everything in between. And they might be people that 80s and 90s, maybe they've been sitting on a property for decades and it's been in the family for a long time. Maybe they're older people that are downsizing Younger people, maybe they've inherited a property and they don't know what to do with it. Or let's just say that they got married early, bought a property. Now they're going through a divorce and everything in between, right? Now, I always use myself as an example here. I'm 48, so I'm not going to call myself young. I'm kind of middle-aged, um, but I am someone who's a digital nomad. So I am more likely to respond to an ad that I see as opposed to direct mail or a cold call. As soon as I hear someone that's a cold caller, I hang up. Well, I yeah. tell them to have a lovely day and then I hang up like I'm nice because I get that they've got a job to do. But um, but I respond digitally because that's how I operate. But mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we're creating environments for our audience, regardless of whatever business you are in. You need to be marketing across at least seven to 10 channels in order to create a space that your audience can elect to in- to interact with you in any way they choose. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I really not, put, you're leaving money on the table. Yeah, no money on the table. We don't want that. There's something else I want you to unpack a little bit further as well. You said this a couple of minutes ago when we were talking about the deals that you want to be closing in month seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. You might have actually acquired that lead in month one, two, three, but it's not actually transpiring until six to nine or twelve right. row. Okay. Yep. So what a lot of people do, again, this is a mentality and it's awareness. As business owners, like we're constantly thinking like, I want to make sales now. I want to close deals today. And I see this so much in like the traditional coaching and education space as well. And we think, well, I'm putting my offer out today. So I want you to buy it. And if you're not buying it today, you might be a great lead, but oh, you're just not an ideal client. And they tend to just forget about those people. There's this whole process in, in marketing called nurturing. So sure. when you're acquiring leads, in month one, two, or three, and we know that nothing may happen with them until month six through 12, what is your, pro- like, what are you doing with those people? How are you continuing to nurture the relationship and warm them up and move them down the ladder of becoming more of a believer who's ready to buy? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or a believer who's ready to sell. Because if you sell, think about yes. real estate, that there's two cycles, right? There's the yeah. acquisition of properties and deals and then the disposition of properties and deals. And when I talk about that six-month cycle, Megan, it's typically a six-month cycle to go through acquisition and into disposition and then get return on investment. So a lot of people, again, when they go to a real estate educator, and I, I'm going to I'm gonna be a bit controversial here. Is that okay? Yes, please. 
I see a lot of real estate educators out there. I got an email the other day from one that said, in 30 days from now, you're going to be holding your first check for $15,000. And I went, because here's the reality. In 2021, that was probably the case because we were in a boom. The current market, market's going cycles. We're in a, you know, typically with real estate, it's about a seven-year cycle. But we're in a cycle now when you think about interest rates and inflation that we're on a downturn. Sellers are wanting to hold on for as much money as they can before the, the market bottoms out. Buyers are wanting to be opportunistic at the moment and buy things for as low as they can because the interest rates are higher. Now, there's nothing wrong with that cycle because real estate always goes in a cycle. What is wrong, though, is real estate educators, marketers like us, people that offer the ancillary services around real estate need to adjust their offer and their strategies to align with what that market flow is doing. So to come back to the whole concept you asked me about nurturing leads, I know that was a bit of a segue, but when it comes to nurturing leads, month one and two, you're going to get leads in. Are they going to close straight away? Probably not. Are most of them going to be interested in what you have to to offer them as a solution to their property woes? Yes. Does that mean they're going to sign up straight away? No. Why? Because when you're a seller, especially if you've got a problem with your property or a realtor can't help you with your property or there's issues that that need sorting that you don't know where to start with and you are, as, as a seller, you're in overwhelm, you're looking for someone to help you with that. The number one thing that you're going to be looking out for, first of all, is trust and credibility. That's not built in one phone call. So a lot of the times when it comes to nurturing property owners, you're wanting to have them get to know you. You want to be able to send them information and and helpful tools and tips to help them out with their journey and show that you are willing to, to go above and beyond. You need to follow up from your first offer to your second offer to your third offer. You need to keep that line of communication open. And eventually, it's all about timing, the right offer to the right person at the right time, you'll close a deal. But once you get that property under contract uh, or you buy the property, you then obviously have to go into your disposition phase, which is find an end user for that property. So typically, you know, months three, four, and five, you're going to be getting properties under contract. Month six, seven, eight, and nine, you're going to be selling those properties. But that whole cycle started way back here. So I guess, again, when people are thinking about their businesses and when and how they want to make money, in the current climate, you've got to have a runway of a good four to six months worth of marketing to get your pipeline to the stage that you will then be closing deals consistently later on in that year. Mm-hmm. You can't just do one month of marketing and expect miracles to happen because yeah. are the unicorns out there? Yes, they are. But are they far and few between at the moment? Definitely. Yeah. And I imagine that having a marketing strategy is also very important. And I'm sure that is something that you help your clients with. I mean, we see so many people who understand the general concept of marketing. But I think lots of people are thinking of the tactics, but they're operating those tactics without a strategy. So how do you work the strategy? Like, how do you kind of layer in the strategy with the tactics, with the implementation and integration of marketing? Yeah, yeah, brilliant question. So now first thing we do when customers sign up to us is we get them to fill in what's called a business growth plan because you're entirely right, Megan. People will come to us and say, okay, AJ, I want to do five deals a month and I want them to all be minimum $15,000 profit. I'm like, that's great. Good to have a goal in mind. What have you reverse engineered around that goal? And often they haven't, they haven't even thought about it. They know what they want the end to look like, but they haven't thought about the path to get there. So we get them to fill in what's called a business growth plan. It's one of the first things um, that we do before you engage with us. 
Um, and that gets all the ideas out of your head about what you want your business to look like, the support and systems that you're going to need in place for that. Um, how you're going to scale from one deal to five deals to 10 deals. What are all the different, uh, like go out and look at some of your competitors. What are they doing that you like or don't like? You know, really getting a whole bunch of analysis, uh, at play. And then we build that into a strategy and that strategy becomes, um, number one, reverse engineering the numbers about where you want to get to and what your marketing needs to be for that. Number two, looking at the, the types of deals you want to do and how we're scaling that, that with you. And then number three, what is your value proposition out to your audience that's going to stand you apart from your, your competitors as well? And how do we really make your business yours? Yeah. That you don't look and sound like everyone else, but you have a, a certain way that you want to do deals and things as well. And, so, um, and- so we really, yeah. I was just going to ask, and then once you've set that initial strategy, how long do you recommend someone implement and stick with that strategy before you've identified? Because you guys are analyzing all the data. You're getting all the feedback behind the scenes. I think yep. a lot of folks will say like, oh, I tried it once. It didn't work. Let's try something new. And then they're listening to so many opinions and voices. And again, it's sort of like they're starting over with their marketing strategy all the time. So once it's set, how long do you recommend that someone stick with the strategy to determine if it's really going to produce what they want it to or not? Yeah, yeah. A really good question. Um, In the current market, I'm going to say at least six months. Oh, wow. Okay. What yeah. about in the pre, like previously, was it shorter? Three months. Yeah. Three months. So when, when, when you were in a boom market, you can make adjustments pretty quickly. Um, but here's in the real estate space. And again, this is going to be different for a lot of organizations out there. But when you're out there in the real estate space dealing with um, sellers, particularly in the acquisition cycle, you will get people that will contact you straight away and then you know that you're onto something. But you'll also get people that will contact you six months, 12 months, two years after you've marketed to them. They kept that letter and they kept that that thing and they were like, you know, you spoke to them at the right time and there's something resonated, but maybe they, it wasn't the right time for them to sell. But in six or 12 months' time now, life has happened. Maybe there's a death in the family or um, you've inherited the property or the grandkids are off to college and they now want to liquidate or they're downsizing their house. Now, whatever that might be, they'll hold on to that. And they'll call you much later. So what I, I always say to people is don't judge your results too soon because mm-hmm. it's a slower moving beast when it comes to real estate. Now, every market is different. And again, we, we've done different types of marketing for people that are not real estate that have education programs and stuff cycle much shorter. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you stop nurturing. Even I would say even in the coaching and education space, it's changed a lot. I mean, so much changed in the last couple of years and, you know, pre pandemic. And then even during pandemic, if you entered into the coaching and education space, you were just booming. And I don't care what expertise you were teaching. I mean, you could go from zero to millions literally overnight if you wanted to. And we saw a lot of that happen with real estate investing education businesses where they literally grew like millions or tens of millions of dollars in one, two, three short years. And it's changed. So if we're, if we're looking at just traditional coaching and education, again, like doesn't really matter what you're selling in terms of like health, wealth or relationship. The people's, what we've noticed is people's buying cycles and buyer psychology, the way they're making buying decisions, they're taking longer. They're taking a longer time to make those decisions. So I would probably say the exact same thing, whether you're real estate investing or you're in another industry, we're seeing it. We're seeing in the coaching space. Yeah. I've always said, do a strategy for at least 90 days before you go throw it away. Now I would actually agree with you in just the traditional coaching space. You really need to do it for six months because we're, it's taking people that much longer and people aren't buying as many courses 
they're not buying as many programs and masterminds. They're yeah. maybe they're only doing one or two a year, whereas before people were buying like six, seven, eight a year. And they're just they're just spending their money in a different way right now. Yeah, exactly. People are holding on to their money because of the economy. Um, so again, we need to make sure that we're going out with a different offer to to the environment that we're in yeah. to entice people to want to make a, a more informed decision around things. For sure. Um, and I think there's a lot of people out there that have got what I call course and coach fatigue. You know, they've they've done a lot of courses, they've paid a lot of money for coaching, but they just haven't got the results that they're after. So and and they're in that that space of, well, I've only got a certain amount of capital left. You know, do I go and get another coach? And the one thing I always say is coaches are great when they're good at what they do uh, and they support you with with your goals as well and, and the different strategies to get there. But a lot of the time, the reason why people are reaching out for another course or another coach is they just feel stuck. They've got all the knowledge that they need. They just need to implement. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll be off and flying. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a really big fan of client results and client success. And you also know my philosophy that client results and and success, it really is the whole package. It's the whole experience, the entire client experience, which starts at the level of marketing. It starts with marketing, it continues on with sales, and then it goes into client delivery. And then after that, we can turn people into raving fans and incredible brand ambassadors. Can you talk about the role that you see marketing playing in the ability for, and it doesn't even matter what industry, for our clients that we are acquiring to be successful in our services? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such a beautiful question. Um, I guess if we bring it back to the, to the real estate space, right. And I, I know we're kind of using that as the, as the, the, the core of, of today's conversation. If the current, like I put yourself in the, in the shoes of a real estate educator. If, if the success rate they're only getting is around 3%, Imagine what their business would look like if they even just upped that to 5%, 10%. How many more raving fans are they going to have when they can help someone with the implementation side of things and measure that and adjust that when needed to and cycle that back into their marketing to prove that, you know, they've got better results than the person next to them. I mean, that kind of stuff just exponentially just, whew, that just pushes things into the stratosphere, right? The same with, with our customers. Like we've got a lot of successful customers. There is a bit of a recipe with a real estate investor as to what makes a real estate investor successful versus the ones that aren't as successful. But the ones that are, they definitely turn into raving fans. And, and, and what's interesting is we've been running this business for four and a half years now, Megan. We have literally been only been marketing ourselves in the last three months. Wow. So for four years, we were literally just referral and repeat business due to happy customers. Mm. And that I'm so proud of that because I just think I don't know many, many businesses that last four years with doing zero marketing themselves purely on word of mouth and referral and just shouting our customers to the rooftops, which is pretty awesome. But now we're starting to double down on marketing ourselves because we're wanting to go bigger and we're looking at branching into different industries as well because we've got a proven concept Mm. that we now know works. Um, if we can do it for real estate investors, we can do it for a whole range of different things as well, which is Agree. really cool. Agree. That's amazing. And such a good se- segue. I'd love for you to share how people can get in touch with you. Where can they follow you? Find out more about your services and who's a really good fit for what you offer. Yeah, wonderful. So you can simply just go to superchargedoffers.com. Um, you can book into a masterclass there that's free. If you're into real estate investing, you can go into my calendar and book uh, book some time with us as well. Jump onto Facebook, just supercharged offers on Facebook. You'll get to see all of our client success stories as well. 
or just drop me an email. So alithia at superchargedoffers.com. I'll be more than happy to speak to anyone about their businesses and where they're at. Um, and I guess who's our perfect person? So if we just go into the real estate space, it would be anybody who's on the spectrum of beginning their real estate investing journey to someone who's been doing this a long time, but they want to minimize their business costs and make their, their business more efficient. So we have a lot of people that come to us that are really experienced, but they want to either rebrand and outsource to one company that does it all rather than, as I said, six companies to do all these bits and pieces, one company to do it all. So we we have people across that that whole spectrum looking to get their first deal or onto their thousandth deal, um, but want to really get some efficiencies in their business. Amazing. Amazing. And one final question. Is now a good time to become a real estate investor? Why or why not? Ooh, I think there is never a bad time to become a real estate investor because every market cycle presents opportunities. So at the moment, you know, real estate is coming down. Um, yes, interest rates are high, but there's loads of opportunity out there for the right buyer. And we call them contrarian buyers because contrary to what the market is doing and what the media says, people are still buying. And I actually saw a, um, Barbara Kokoran, who's on Shark Tank. Uh, she, I follow her on Instagram and she had a really good post the other day. She said, you know, there's, there's never a bad time to get into real estate because no matter where you buy, there'll be a strategy to fit what it is that you want. But equally, if you can buy a house now low, because buying properties right now, properties are coming down in certain areas. If you can buy a house now lower on the market, even though your interest rate might be higher, as soon as interest rates come down in, in one or two years, refinance, get a lower interest rate, and now you're winning on both sides. Yeah. And I, I was watching that and I thought, yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And even at the moment in the vacant land space, we've got a lot of people still transacting properties because builders and developers are land banking because they know when interest rates come down, there's going to be a big influx of people wanting to build again, um, they need land to build on. So, you know, there's always opportunity in every market cycle. Yeah. Love it. Great answer. Love it. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was a conversation and so valuable. I appreciate you, our first Aussie, uh, joining us from Phoenix, Arizona today. (laughs) I love it. Thanks so much, Megan. I really enjoyed that conversation too. And I hope your listeners find that valuable. Yes. Thanks so much. Bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.